0: Our topic for this morning is joy, true joy, and uh, we sing many songs about joy, joy to the world, shout for joy, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Uh, We've just come through a Christmas season that's known to be a season of joy, and for some of you it's been very joyous. You've been happy and laughing, and you've experienced many blessings, and yet for others, Uh, This season has not been a joyful time. You've been experiencing difficulties, hardships, maybe financial hardships, or loss of a loved one, or strained relationships with others, or health concerns, or a whole variety of possibilities, things that may pull away your joy. So I have a question for you as we begin this morning. How many of you would like more joy in your life? Raise your hand. Anybody want more joy than what you have right now? Good. Lots of hands. Okay? Anybody, no more joy. You're full up. You don't want any more joy in your life. You have enough. Okay? No. All right. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at. We see in Scripture multiple commands throughout Scripture that we are to be joyful. Uh, A few examples. Psalm 81.1 says, Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Philippians 4:4 4, 4, Rejoice, joy in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 says, "Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for, for you." So rejoicing, having joy is part of God's will for you. That's what we read there. But we're not always joyful, are we? There are circumstances of life that challenge our joyfulness. It's also been said that Christians should be the most joyful people, right? Have you heard that? Christians should be the most joyful people. And that's true. We should be. But the question is, why? Why should we be joyful? There's so much in our world, so much in the life circumstances that will try to take that away from us, draw us away from being joyful. So where do we find joy? What is it found in? Where do we rejoice over? And that's what we'll be looking at this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll jump further in. Father God, we need you this morning. We ask that you would make your word alive to us, that you would teach us and mold us, that you would help us to find true joy this morning, that we would grow in faith and grow in joy, and that it would be to your glory. So please speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes, there's some blanks you can fill in this morning. And the first point for this morning is that joy, we're going to look at joy in God's presence. Joy in God's presence. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 16. We'll be moving around our Bibles a bit this morning. We're going to start in Psalm 16. We're going to look at joy in God's presence. So Psalm 16 is a psalm written by King David. Uh, there are messianic implications uh, throughout this psalm. Peter refers to those uh, as, we, as recorded in Acts chapter 2 as he is testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in this sermon given at Pentecost. And so in this psalm, there's also some good truth for us to take note of related to this topic of joy. So as we, I read through this psalm, I want you to take note of two things. One, take note of where you see God's presence with man. God together with man. And then take note of where you see joy and gladness as well. So let's read through this psalm. Psalm 16. It says this. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land... They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So throughout the psalm we see God's presence in various ways. Right? Verse one, O God, in you I take refuge. Verse two, I have no good apart from you. Verse five, the Lord is my portion of my cup. You hold my lot verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. And verse 11, in your presence, at your right hand. And so we see in this psalm there's a continual presence of God with his people. God is very near. Right? God is very near, and there's an ongoing relationship. And then within this context of God's presence, we also see there's great joy and gladness. Right? Look at verse 9. Therefore, because of your presence, my heart is glad. Therefore, my whole being rejoices. Right? Verse 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Right? So God is our source of joy. It's in his presence that true joy is found and experienced. We also see here a few things on security in God's presence, right? Uh, Verse 8 says, I will not be shaken, right? Because of God's presence, he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. I will be steadfast, right? Verse 9, my flesh also dwells secure. There's a security that comes from God's presence in, in relationship with him. And you have this secure position in Christ. The safety, the security in God's presence because of Christ. So I want to take a, a little more look at verse 11. So let's look a little closer at verse 11. And The first part of verse 11 says this, the first statement, you make known to me the path of life. So that wording make known also means to show or to teach. And so God shows us, he makes known to us the path of life. All right, now think with me, what was your spiritual position because of sin? It was death, all right? It was separation from God. That was where you were at because of sin. But God shows us a path to life. He gives us a path to life. And we know that path to life is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, the one who died in our place and was raised to life again. Path of life. Look back at verse 10. It says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. And so that was true of Christ, right, when he died. And that will also be true of us. God will not leave your soul to suffer any wrath if you are in Christ. There's none for you. God will not leave your body dead in a grave. He will raise it up, He will resurrect it. Doesn't that bring great joy? to know that God has done that and will do that. You have life in Christ. Jesus is your life. God shows us, he makes known to us the path of life, and we know it's in Jesus Christ. The next statement in verse 11 says this, In your presence there is fullness of joy. So where is true joy found? It's found in the presence of God. God is the source of true and lasting joy. And so if you are in need of more joy in your life, and most of you raise your hand saying that, you're actually in need of more of God's presence, experiencing Him more. You're in need of a deepening relationship with God your need of experiencing him more and more in your life because he is the source of joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. The last statement there in verse 11 says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So at your right hand, that's God's presence, right? Being together in God's presence. And in that place, at your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. There are eternal blessings in Christ, right? That's something we can't fully comprehend. We can't know the full extent of that now here on this earth while we're still in a world of sin and all of its effects. But we can begin experiencing those things in this life here on this earth as we acknowledge and engage with God, as we get to know him and grow in our relationship with him. But these pleasures, these blessings God has for us are never-ending. You see that they are forevermore. Doesn't it bring joy to you that God's blessings, all the blessings we have in Christ, they aren't temporal. They're not going to end. They will go on forever, forevermore. You're in, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, if we look back at this in verse 11, it says, in your presence there is what kind of joy? There is fullness of joy. It's not a partial joy. It's not a a once-in-a-while joy. It's not a passing joy. But in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. This is a complete, filled-up, no-room-for-more joy. That type of joy can't be found in the things of this world. The joy we find in this world is temporal. It's fleeting. It changes with every circumstance. and The blowing of a wind, it's gone. This type of fullness of joy, completeness of joy, can only be found in the presence of God. So kids, this is your time to come on up. We're going to be over here today, so come on up and find a, little, a seat, and we're going to have a little illustration of this, all right? So go ahead and make your way up. Find somewhere to sit right up here. All right, thanks for coming up. Thanks for being patient and waiting for this time. That's good. All right, so I want you to think about the verse we've just been talking about. It says, in God's presence with God, there is fullness of joy, all right? Now, I have some objects to show you here. All right, so you can take a look. So here I have a big container. This big container represents God and being together, present with God, God's presence, all right? And you can see there's water in there that I colored so you could see it. This water in God's presence represents joy, joy in God's presence, all right? And remember, God is the source of joy, right? So there's joy there. Now, this little empty cup, this is you, all right? This represents you. So do you have joy right now? No, it's empty. There's, there's no joy right now, right? So if you wanted to have joy in your life, what would you do? You need to pour some water in here, right? right? So if I took this cup here and poured water in, would that work? There might be a little bit of joy, but is that true joy from God? No, you know what this is? This is the things of the world. So if we try to fill up with the things of the world, it won't give us true and lasting joy because that's only found in God's presence, right? We don't want to find joy only apart from God. So let's think back to our verse. In God's presence, there is fullness, completeness of joy. So where is that true joy found? In God, in God's presence, right? Which is right there, right? That green water represents true joy. So if you want joy in your life, how are you going to get it? To put the water in. To put the water in. Yeah, you're right. But you know what? How would we do that? Would we do it apart from God? No, what would we do? Yeah, we would ask God to give us more joy, and we do that by entering his presence, right, in prayer in other words. So if you want more joy, it's found in God's presence, you would need to go into God's presence, right? Right? Now, are you filled with joy? Yeah. Are you filled completely with joy? Fully. Is there any more room for joy in you? No, because you are fully in God's presence. And so when we come into God's presence, when we are in a relationship with God and in his presence more and more, there can be fullness and completeness of joy for us. All right? Thanks for coming back up. You guys can go back and have a seat. Just leave it. Uh Uh-oh, somebody needs some help. All right. So in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Now look back with me at verse 4. Back in verse 4, we're going to see a contrast here. Okay, look at verse 4, Psalm 16. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. So in God's presence is fullness of joy, but if you run after other gods, sorrow will multiply, right? There's quite a contrast there between God's presence and running after other gods, false gods. Because here's the thing, other gods, false gods can't save. They can't do anything for you other than hurt and disappoint, And there will be multiplication of sorrow upon sorrow running after other gods. So here's a question for you this morning. Where are you at? Are you running after other gods? The God of money, the God of popularity, the God of lust, the God of power and control, the God of self. How about the God of good works and earning righteousness, or the God of self-righteousness? These things will multiply sorrow upon sorrow, but a pursuit of God Almighty will increase true joy in your life. And so as we move on through your notes to some of these other points, these other things related to joy are all tied into this: that true joy is found in God's presence. And therefore, we see it in other areas. So the second point here this morning is joy in the gospel. Joy in the gospel. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. The gospel of Luke chapter 2. These are verses we've been reading a few times already throughout the month of December uh, in our Christmas season. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10, this is when the shepherds are out and the angel uh, appears to the shepherds after the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, that's the gospel, of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so there's this good news gospel proclamation, and it's a gospel of great joy. There is joy in the gospel. This Savior would come, he was born, he would live a righteous life and die on the cross for sin. This is the good news of the gospel, which brings great joy. Flip over to Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples. He sends them out to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And then here's what happens in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. That's pretty incredible. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So in other words, don't just rejoice in the circumstances of life that do bring joy. Don't just rejoice in the spiritual authority that you have in Christ. Don't just rejoice that God is working through you. We can rejoice in those things, but here's the point. Much more importantly than all of that, rejoice in the gospel. Rejoice that salvation has come to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven and will stay there for all eternity and that you will be with Christ. Rejoice that you are saved and known by God Almighty that is much greater than any circumstance of life that you can rejoice in. David, in Psalm 51, after he had sinned greatly against God, he recognized his sin. He recognized once again his great need for God. And he pleaded with God in verse 12. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. So we lose joy when we choose to sin, when we turn away from God? And he was pleading to return the joy of his salvation, the joy that's found in the gospel, the joy of knowing that your sins have been forgiven and they are not yours any longer. So think, what could bring you greater joy than to know your sins are forgiven, done away with, and you will dwell in God's presence forever? Isn't that bring great joy? Nothing could be better than that. That should bring great joy into our lives. There is great joy in this gospel of Jesus Christ. Another thing to note here is how God's people react to this salvation. Throughout the Bible, you know what we observe? We observe shouting and singing over who God is and what he has done. There are multiple times we see this in Psalms where joy is tied to shouting and to singing. Psalm 33, one says, Shout for joy to the Lord, O you righteous. Psalm 47.1, Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 81.1, Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. And we could go on and on shout for joy, sing for joy. We are to be a joyful, rejoicing people because of the salvation that God has brought to us. We can list many other times, there are scenarios and instances throughout Scripture of this taking place where people greatly rejoice. They shout and they sing because of who God is and what He has done. See, here's the thing. We, a sinful people, have been purchased by the blood of Christ. We've been saved from sin. We've been redeemed for God. We've been given everlasting life. What do we do with that? Shout for joy. Be joyful over that. We should shout for joy. We should sing for joy. We should rejoice greatly. It's okay to be joyful in this place. When you enter every Sunday morning, you should enter joyfully. Because no matter what's taking place during the week, whether it has been hardships, whether there's been sin, you come into this place and you recognize once again Jesus has paid it all. He's covered it all. He's saved me from my sin. It's forgiven. It's gone. It's paid for. I have no more debt. There's no more condemnation. Christ is risen. I will raise with Christ one day to everlasting blessing. That's great joy. That should put a smile on your face. That should make you want to shout for joy. And sing joyfully because of God and because of what Christ has done for you. Let's celebrate the gospel more than anything else we celebrate in life. More than a touchdown. More than a great music recital. More than a great vacation. More than any Christmas gift that was under the tree this year. We should celebrate the gospel more than anything because it's a joyous thing for us. Turn over Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. I want to show you an, in, one instance of this. Isaiah chapter 12 here we read about the prophecy of the coming Messiah, the one who would bring about this great salvation. And we come to Isaiah chapter 12. You will say in that day I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. That's the gospel. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So here is salvation, here is the gospel, and there is joy, there is singing, there is shouting, and we read in verse 6, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. That's God's presence among his people, right? God's presence. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. So this joy in the gospel is tied together with God's presence because in the message of the gospel, when we receive, uh, when in faith, We receive God's forgiveness. We are free from sin, and we are led into the presence of Almighty God. That's the gospel, leading us into God's presence. And there in the gospel, there is great joy. Next thing we're going to look at is joy in obedience. Joy in obedience. Turn over to the gospel of John chapter 15. John chapter fifteen, starting in verse nine. Here Jesus is speaking to his disciples. John chapter fifteen, verse nine. Jesus says, "As the Father has loved me, so I have I. Excuse me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love." just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So here Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, that's your obedience to Jesus, then you will abide, you will dwell in my love. That's dwelling in the presence and blessing of Jesus coming to you through obedience. Right? He said, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, that's Jesus' obedience to the Father, and abide in his love. That's the, the Father's presence and dwelling coming to Jesus through Jesus' obedience. Right? And then he says, my joy, if, 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 obey through obedience. This comes that my joy may be in you. right, so all of the joy that Jesus experiences with the Father because of his obedience to the Father shall be in you, and then your joy may be full, may be complete. That's what we pictured with the glass fully submerged in the water, right? There's fullness of joy that comes through obedience. Jesus says, just as I have obeyed the Father, you obey me, Just as I experience the great blessing of God in his presence, you experience the blessing of being in my presence. As you obey the commands of God, as you walk in his ways according to his word, there's much joy in that. Flip over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Here's what Paul writes in verse 16. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this phrase, walk by the Spirit, is equated with obedience, right? How do we walk in the Spirit? We walk in obedience. We follow God's Word. So as we walk in obedience... You live your life in obedience to God's word, and therefore we know here in chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is produced in your life. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So here there is joy. Joy is an element of the fruit of the Spirit that comes into your life, as you walk by the Spirit, as you walk in obedience to God's Word. So again, we see this tied into God's presence, right? Walk in the Spirit. We're obedient, tied in God's Word. We obey because of the gospel and all that God has done. We obey because we are in relationship with God. We are in His presence. And as we obey, it further experiences, it furthers our experience of God's presence with us. And so there is great joy in obedience. Next thing we see joy in suffering. Joy in suffering. We have a few points there. The first one is this suffering does not eliminate joy. Suffering does not eliminate joy. Turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the gospel, right? Verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So there is having joy through the suffering, Of your souls. So that's glorious, indescribable rejoicing. There's joy in salvation. There's joy in the gospel, even in the midst of suffering. Suffering does not eliminate that joy. Next thing under joy and suffering, we see there is joy because suffering will produce a result. Suffering will will produce a result. We saw that here in chapter 1. Flip back to uh, uh, one book back to James, James chapter 1. And we'll see this again here. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God uses this various suffering in your life to produce completeness and wholeness and perfection in you. So if you're not perfect yet, by the way, none of you are, you can expect suffering because God wants to produce something in you. He wants to perfect you. But you can have joy in the midst of that suffering, knowing that it will produce a God-intended result in your life. God does not waste any bit of suffering. The third thing under suffering, joy in persecution. Persecution is a different type of suffering, right? It's a different type of suffering. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. This is uh, Jesus preaching what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Luke chapter 6 and verse 22. Here's what Jesus tells those who would follow him. Verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you And spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. So when you are persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ, that should fill you with great joy. Knowing that you have a great reward in heaven that you stand with the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. That great reward in heaven, the greatest of rewards in heaven, is going to be Jesus himself, fully in God's presence, where there is a fullness of joy. And even that thought should be bringing us much joy today. But joy through suffering, because it produces a result. Some other thoughts on joy and suffering. First, it's important for us to know that having joy is not the same as being happy with every life circumstance that comes your way. There are hard things in this life, hard things that come our way. Joy doesn't mean being happy about those hard things, but it goes beyond those hard things. Being joyful does not mean never knowing any pain or any trial. But joy is the result of a victorious faith that looks beyond those circumstances of life and sees a sovereign God who is victorious over all things and who has storehouses of eternal blessings that are yours in Christ. Joy comes from a rock-solid faith that cannot be moved, a faith in the one who is sovereign over all things, who will put all his enemies under his feet and one day will do away with sin forevermore. But joy, through suffering, comes as a result of faith, of knowing God and trusting him. Some of you right now are enduring hard things, and I don't want to make light of that. But you need to know that God does not waste any bit of your suffering. Whatever suffering that is that you're facing right now, God doesn't waste any bit of it. It's all going to serve his purposes in your life and for his glory. No amount of suffering takes place in your life that that God does not give significant value in his kingdom. And so then joy comes to us by faith as we believe God and live accordingly to his word. So thinking back to God's presence, you can have joy in suffering when you know that God's presence will give you the strength to endure and to get through and that God will produce his results through your suffering. So there is joy even in the midst of suffering. Last thing we're going to look at is everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Think back to our our verse in Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Forevermore. This is the joy in Christ that is yours and is everlasting. It's forevermore. It will not end. Flip over to the Gospel of John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Here again, Jesus is speaking with his disciples uh, on the night that he would be arrested, the night before his death. He's talking to them about his coming death and his resurrection here. And so we're going to just look at a few verses here. John chapter 16 and uh, verse 16. Jesus says to them, A little while, and you will see me no longer. That's referring to his death. And again, a little while, and you will see me, referring to his resurrection. Jump down to verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Verse 22. So also, You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, his disciples would have joy that would not be taken from them, that would last and last, it will always be there. And this same joy is ours here and now. It's yours for all eternity because of Christ because of his death and resurrection, paying for your sin, wiping away, forgiving it. The reason we know our joy will last forever is because we'll be in God's presence forever, right? In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. We, for those who are in Christ, will be in God's presence forever. Revelation chapter 3 tells us this. Uh, Excuse me, Revelation 21, verse 3. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 says this John's vision of heaven, he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. In heaven, you will experience the full reality of God's presence and therefore a greater fullness of joy because in God's presence there is fullness of joy. In heaven, where God dwells with man in his presence, that will never, ever end. You will forever be in God's presence and therefore your fullness of joy will never end. You will have everlasting joy In God's presence. Isn't it incredible that a holy God would save a sinful people and then bless them forever with Himself? That's crazy. And it brings such great joy. So, as we wrap up here, let me ask you this question How is your joy in relationship to God? I asked at the beginning of the message how many of you would like more joy in your life. More of God's presence, more of experiencing this life-giving relationship with God will lead to more joy in your life. More time in his presence, more time in his word, more time in prayer, recognizing him throughout the day more beholding of who God is, more contemplating his greatness, more time meditating on the gospel and all of its implications, more time acknowledging and recognizing God at work in your life. Turn back, turn with me to Psalm 100. This will be how we'll wrap up. Psalm 100. So Psalm 100 is usually used as a call to worship. That's what we read at the beginning of the service as our call to worship, but I want to also now give it to you as a call to worship on your life as you go this morning. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us and we are his, we are his people the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So come, dwell, abide, live in God's presence for there is found fullness of joy. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are great and glorious. Thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy. God, thank you that while we were yet sinners unable in any way to enter into that joy, that you had a great plan of salvation, sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to live perfectly in our place, to die in our place, to rise, that we too, may be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that because of what Christ has accomplished, we have confidence to come before the throne, to enter into your presence, and to experience fullness of joy. God, we thank you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the charge this morning is this. Come. Come into God's presence. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week in the Lord.